0: For Wednesday, January 9th, 2019, I'm Broadway World's Matt Tammanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. And depending on when you are listening to this, I might either be in the air heading to New York City or in New York City. So this is a very exciting uh, time for me, James, and especially because it's Broadway Con Week and we have a panel on Saturday at 1115. Come see us. Hopefully it'll be fun. Bring
1: some of that uh,
0: Florida sunshine with you. Yeah, it, it ain't going to happen. I uh, I posted something uh, Monday night, Tuesday night at some point, and I said, um, I, I want to thank New York City for reminding me why I live in Florida, because for the time that I'm going to be there, Wednesday through Monday, we have highs of like 43, 35, 29, 29, 31, and 33. Like, we don't even get there in Celsius here in Florida. <laughs> actually, I don't. I actually don't know anything about Celsius. So that's probably wrong, yeah, but uh, it's going to be cold.
1: Extraordinarily warm in Celsius. Uh,
0: <laughs> uh, whatever. <laughs> um, so, I, yeah, like I don't even really have sweaters, so I'm going to have to find that. I don't really have a, a winter coat. I've got a, a, a nice jacket, a heavy jacket that I normally bring. So I'm just going to have to pull some layers or something. Layers are good. Uh,
1: One of my many brothers, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this. I have six brothers, two sisters. So one of my brothers uh, just moved to Florida to be nearer to two of my other brothers who live down in Florida. And I just keep on seeing warm weather and beach pictures, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as will happen when people are new to an area. So, Yeah. It's a little bit cold in New York, but we have
0: Broadway and Florida yes. has chads. Nothing. Hey, we have Florida man because it's always F- Florida man uh, decides to wrestle an alligator for his children's college tuition or something stupid. So, hmm. yeah, I, I would much rather take the weather for Florida, but the Broadway of New York.
1: Where did hands in a hard body supposed to take place? That was in
0: Texas. Texas.
1: Texas. Texas, Florida, Texas, you know. Ooh. Let's not do Yeah. All right. So reviews are in for
0: Choir Boy on Broadway. Yeah, James. Last night over at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater – Choir Boy officially opened on Broadway five years after having its initial off-Broadway run at the Manhattan Theater Club. The show, again, is directed by Trip Coleman and features a script by Terrell Alvin McCraney, who sent his works off-Broadway, kind of made him a star to theater people. He wrote a little movie called Moonlight, which didn't but then did win the Academy Award a couple years ago. Uh, The show features a number of the uh, stars who originated the roles off-Broadway, including 20 winner Chuck Cooper, J. Quentin Johnson, Jeremy Pope, um, Austin Pendleton, and more. Um, And James, I've got to be honest with you, the reviews are a little less enthusiastic um, than I was expecting. They're still really good, but I was expecting all-out raves. And some of them, at least some of the people that I you know respect the most, um, were a little bit more muted than I expected. Um, we do not yet have the New York Times or Sarah Holdren yet. So, James, if you happen to see those pop up while I'm talking, feel free to let me know. But let's start out with our friend Adam Feldman from Time Out in New York, who gave the show four out of five stars, writing, quote, The ending has been revised since Manhattan Theater Club first presented it off-Broadway in 2013 with much of the same cast. But many of the changes are not improvements. The denouement is somehow more explanatory yet less clear. A pivotal scene of violence is a misstep in Trip Coleman's mostly sure-footed staging. At its best, though, the play is specific, lyrical, and touching. McCraney brings a ringing, unapologetic, queer black voice to Broadway and offers valuable perspective on struggles that have too long been unsung. Alexa Sulaski, one of our other favorites from the uh, writing for The Guardian this time, she uh, had very similar things uh, to what Adam had to say. She said, quote... But here, talking of McCraney, um, he's abandoned most of his poetic and thematic flourishes, working instead in a more naturalistic style that, while friendly to Broadway, can sometimes feel a little pat. The short scenes tumble on speedily, but it's really only in the clefts between scenes when the young men step forward, not necessarily in character, and deliver forceful, emotive versions of Rockin' in Jerusalem or Rainbow Round My Shoulder, that the play takes on real intensity. In these moments, Choir Boy ascends and its choir boys achieve, as long as the notes hold, what feels like freedom. So again, a little more muted than I expected. However, Matt Widman from AM New York gave the show four out of four stars and really said what I expected most of the reviews to be. He said, quote, Choir Boy, under the taut direction of Trip Coleman, makes for highly engrossing, personal and poignant theater. It is a smashing start. To the new year on Broadway. Now, James, I know um, you can cut this out if this is too inside baseball, but I know you were supposed to see the show this week, and they told you they just didn't have any tickets because the demand was so high they had to reschedule you. Since I'm going to be in town, I really wanted to see this show. I started to look at the open dates that I had, and I only looked in the in the orchestra on Sunday. I'm going to go Sunday matinee. Um, I didn't look upstairs because I found what I wanted in the orchestra, but there was only. I mean, there was less than 10 seats uh, in the orchestra available. And I, I didn't look upstairs, but I would imagine uh, there, there doesn't there's not a lot of seating upstairs at the Friedman. So I wouldn't imagine there's a ton of seats. So I think the word of mouth has been really good for this show and has really helped it uh, increase its its grosses and attendance over the over the weeks of previews. But I'm, I'm hoping that these less than enthusiastic reviews, at least less than what I was expecting, don't stem that tide that it's been having in in the last few weeks.
1: Yeah, I'm very interested uh, to see how how this all pans out because the word of mouth has been very good. And In fact, before we started recording, I I texted you and I said, I said, oh, you know, I'm just assuming these are really good yeah. reviews. We don't need to wait for Brantley, but uh, so you know, I, it is going to be a limited run, and I think the word of mouth is very very good on it. So uh, I I. Don't foresee these reviews, you know, having a negative impact on, on the show, even though they're not bad reviews. They're just, I, I, sure. expected, yeah. to, I expected it to be much bigger. And um, our off-air conversation with uh, Michael Portantier and Peter Felicia on This Week on Broadway was all positive and looking forward to this. So I, I think much in the uh, theater community is going to be right there with us.
0: Sounds good. I'm looking forward to seeing it on Sunday.
1: All right, so what we have is uh, some news that uh, came out about 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning, and I was
0: blown away,
1: did yeah, not, you, s-
0: did not you see te- this coming. No, n- neither did I, and I'll, we'll talk about that here in a second. But you, you often forget that I work from home, and I don't generally have to be awake as early as you do. So when you text me things <laughs> like holy crap and send me a link, it takes me a minute to even recognize that I got a text message. So it took me a while to respond to you. But, yes, <laughs> I echo the sentiment of your holy crap because James um, – Apparently, the team behind Hamilton has saved the drama bookshop. And what's ironic about that, James, is as you kind of mentioned, you and I had talked about this a couple of weeks ago before we talked about that interview with the with the, the bookshop's yeah. vice president mm-hmm. and manager. We were talking about how surprised we were that after that big hubbub, after we heard that it was closing – we didn 't really hear anything we didn 't hear about any efforts to save the drama bookshop we didn 't hear about you know crowdfunding campaigns or efforts to to have events to come raise money we didn 't hear anything. But now we know why, because yesterday it was announced that a four-person team consisting of Lynn manuel Miranda, Thomas Kale, Jeffrey Seller, and James L. Niederlander had straight up purchased the bookshop and are working with the city of New York to find a new affordable home for the venerable institution somewhere in Midtown. The plan is mm. to close the current location as scheduled on January 20th and then to reopen sometime in the fall. Reports in the New York Times indicate that the group purchased the bookshop from longtime owner uh, Roseanne Seelen uh, for the cost of the remaining inventory, help with paying the last few months of rent at the current location, and a commitment to keep her on as a consultant. Now, Seelen's husband, Arthur, bought the bookshop in 1958 but passed away in 2000. Seelen is now 84 years old, and she told the Times, quote, I just didn't have the drive to drive to find a new space and make another move. Lynn manuel and Tommy Are my white knights. Uh, There's a lot more detail in the press release that this group eventually sent out in the New York Times article, and we'll have links to those in the show notes, of course. But, James, I know that there is a certain segment of the theatrical population, um, many of those people who are often too cool for anything popular. But I know that there is a segment of the population who has become a little annoyed with Lynn's omnipresence and even finds him a bit arrogant and full of himself at times. And I admit that especially in the first year of this show today on Broadway in the era of our daily Hamill sections, I too was a bit oversaturated with Lynn man, but I've got to be honest and we've, I've said things similar to this before, but with every turn, It seems that not only does Lynn and often the people he associates with personally and professionally, but not only does Lynn do the right thing to paraphrase and to uh, make an allusion to one of my favorite movies. But he seems to do it for the legitimately genuine right reasons as well. And even if, you know. Uh, as you know, I'm a huge LeBron James fan and a lot of people think that he's arrogant and full of himself. But if you're going to be the best in the world, you've got to have a little bit of a (laughs) uh, of an ego. So I guess I can excuse that from Lynn if he does, in fact, have one. And I don't necessarily think that he does. But um, I'm continued to be blown away by the steps that Lynn and Tommy and Jeffrey Seller and in this case, uh, James, uh, James Niederlander are doing to. To do things to help other people in the theater community and beyond, whether that's cheap tickets to get students to come in, the stuff, um, it, you know, down in Puerto Rico or continually having new inventive ways to open up the, the, their their show uh, to other audience through like the Hamill drops and the mixtape. I, I just am really impressed with the ingenuity and the genuine concern for theater in the theater community as a whole, that these guys continue to show on a daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly basis.
1: I think of Lin-Manuel Miranda as uh, Broadway's own Barack Obama.
0: And ironic, considering that they did a song together that charted. uh, That charted last uh, week, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know, this is a little bit of a tangential, uh, but I still remember when that video of him doing Alexander Hamilton for the first time was released back in 2009, and I had already 2009 2010 whatever it was, and I was already a huge in the heights fan. So I watched that thing so much. I showed it to all of my friends, and so like, uh, yeah, obviously everybody loves Hamilton, but I feel a little bit more like like we've seen this grow from something so small, and lynn has gone from hey this really young guy on Broadway who has a future to the guy and it's really cool to see him you know continue to invest literally and figuratively in the theater community and and not to just take every effort to make more money in tv and movies he's obviously doing that but he is in no way shape or form leaving the theater and especially the theater community and the theater fans behind in the process
1: i you know it's just—it's just astounding, and I'm so excited that there's a happy ending. And it just—you know it was three months ago or so, maybe yeah, six November, months ago. I think. Uh, uh, I forget when it was when he wrote one word in a tweet, said nope.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I guess he knew what he was talking about. I mean, if you decided as one does, and my brother and I often play this game, if you Google someone a celebrity's name and just the word net worth you can see some sort of approximation i have no idea how how accurate those are but you will see that at least a few of those people uh involved in this quartet that have purchased the bookshop are doing quite well and i think that they uh can probably afford this and it's probably a a good investment uh in the future of of their businesses as well
1: you know i uh i i half-heartedly joked uh Back when we were talking about the drama bookshop um, closure, I, I don't remember exactly when it was, but I said, you know, they, there should be a drama bookshop at every theater, right? mm-hmm. at every Broadway theater. And darn if Jimmy Niederlander <laughs> might have an act
0: yeah, theater
1: somewhere.
0: I mean, at least, at least at the Rogers.
1: Yeah. All right. Uh, next up. London Les Mis to Abandon Original Staging. Damn you,
0: turntables. uh, This this one is sad and a little bit disappointing, James. It was announced yesterday that the original London production of Les Miserables, the only company in the world still doing the original staging of the show, will close at its home at the Queen's Theatre in the West end on July 13th and will move to the Gielgud theater for a four month run while the Queens theater refurbishes the house and backstage. Then when the show reopens at the queen in December, it will feature the new staging seen in the last Broadway revival in the tours that are currently going all around the world. Now there's been no word on which version will happen at the Gielgud, but I can't imagine they're installing the turntable just for a four month run, but maybe they are. Uh, but I'm a- I'm honestly a bit annoyed by this, James. I, believe it or not, have never seen the original turntable staging. And I was hoping to someday, whether that was in London or if it gets done over here somewhere. But we've seen something like this before from Cameron McIntosh, the producer, when he did something similar with the North American Phantom of the Opera tour. And, James, maybe it's just the cynical side of me that thinks maybe Cameron is doing this to get out of paying higher royalties to original director sir trevor nunn and his designer may, designers maybe the work that was done for the recent tour is cheaper for him in some way i i don't know otherwise i just don't see the necessity for a move like this
1: hmm i don't think that it would be less expensive i, I don't think that that's uh, uh probably a driver of this decision. I I think that Cameron really likes to be fresh and up-to-date with everything, uh, and he probably wanted to do that. Now, something happened with uh, Phantom. Uh, Phantom had some some restaging and reinterpretation of Phantom, and then it went out on Mm -hmm. tour and things like that. And then it seems like I think it was reverted back, wasn't it?
0: Um, the current North American Phantom tour um, is still using the new staging. The new international tour that is going to go out restores how oh, Prince's original okay. version. That's so cool. that's the international tour, not the not the current North American tour. But yes, yeah. that's correct. Yeah. So uh,
1: and that's also uh, Cameron MacIntosh uh, production. Correct. So. Yeah. Uh, I'm am shocked that you've never seen the original staging of *Lemis*.
0: Yeah, but I I didn't love Lamez for a long time because I thought every song sounded the same. Uh, But then as I listened to it more and realized, oh, wait, every song does sound the same, but it's actually good anyway. At the end of the day, you enjoyed it. Okay. (laughs) All right. So, uh, oh, oh, burying the lead here, Broadway World Cabaret Award winners announced – Yes, uh, there is a number of reasons why I'm bringing up the story. One, because the cabaret editor for Broadway World, my friend Ashley Steves, was on with us a few weeks ago and we talked about this. So I felt like it was my responsibility to continue that conversation and to let you know who some of the winners were. But obviously, most importantly, that is because our dear, dear friend, the diva himself, Robbie (laughs) Rizal, is now a Broadway World Cabaret Award winner. He won for his incredible season of directing uh, Jessica Vosk's Being Green, Melissa Eriko Singh Sondheim, uh, his work with um, Kate Baldwin and Niko Graf Lanzaroni and tons of under other people, um, so richly deserved and I couldn't be happier. It's not that he didn't campaign for this, but I was glad um, that the effort that he did put in uh, was well-served because he totally uh, deserves it. Some other winners uh, in- include um, Rick Skye for the Best Drag Artist or Impersonator. Um, you also had Sarah Bareilles, Waitre- I'm sorry, Waitress Sings, Sarah Bareilles, for the Best Special Event Multiple Performances. The Best Variety Show or Recurring Series was 54 Sings, and then whatever it is that they're singing at that point. The Best Major Recording was... Jessica Vosk's Wild and Free, which Robbie, of course, was a producer on. Um, The best duo show was Christine Ebersole and Billy Stritch, Snowfall at Birdland, Um, a ton of other uh, uh, really great things. So we'll have a link to the um, uh, all of the winners for the Broadway World Cabaret Awards. Congratulations to everybody, but especially uh, Robbie, who, as he said, (laughs) he said, on twitter uh, brb updating my bio so uh, i'm glad that he has that new (laughs) that new line on his bio all right matt what else do we have to know about Trish today OK, real quick, before I get on a jet plane yesterday, Lincoln Center Theater announced that Tony nominated star of My Fair Lady, Harry Hayden Patton, has extended his run as Henry Higgins and will now play the role through July 6th. However, Michael Halling will play the role on Wednesday evenings beginning on February 6th. No word yet if Laura Benanti uh, will extend her run currently scheduled to end in February or if a new Eliza will be taking her place. I think her decision probably hinges on some other projects uh, yeah. that might uh, be coming down the pike. Uh, in other news yesterday, the La Jolla Playhouse announced the full cast for the upcoming world premiere of the new musical mm-hmm. Diana, of course, based on the life of Princess Diana. Joining the previously announced Jenna DeWall as Diana will be Erin Davey, who is awesome, as Camilla Parker Bowles, Judy Flipping Kay as Queen Elizabeth II, not the first. That would make no sense for mm-hmm. Queen Elizabeth the First being here. Uh, but if you remember, Judy Kay recently played the Dowager Empress and Anastasia. So it's like she's knocking out all of the royalty rules uh, really quickly. And then Ro Hartrampff, whom I recognize the name a little bit, but I don't know much about him. Uh, He is playing Prince Charles. We will have the complete uh, cast, including ensemble, in the show notes at broaderradio.com. Of course, the show begins performances in California on February 18th with a limited run through April 7th. And this comes from the creative team of Joe DiPietro and David Bryan and uh, director Christopher Ashley. And finally, the original cast of Broadway's Indecent has reunited recently to record the music from their Tony Award winning production, which will be released by Yellow Sound Records later this month on January 25th. This is one of those um, uh, plays with music, James, where it doesn't know it didn't initially get a cast album. But I think the love for this show is so strong, not only from producer Daryl Roth, uh, but a lot of people who have been able to see the show through Broadway HD and through some regional productions that it very much deserves to have its own cast album. So I'll be excited to hear that when it comes out later this month. If you would like more information on any or all of these stories, please check out the show notes at broader And if you want to know what shows I am seeing while I'm in New York, I will tweet that probably when I'm sitting in the airport waiting to uh, to board my flight. So uh, you can check out my uh, Twitter feed for the full rundown of everything that I'm going to see while I'm in town. So Brantley did not review it. Jesse Green reviewed it.
1: OK. Generally good. So critics, critics pick or no, uh, let's see. No. Oh yes. Critics pick.
0: Okay. Critics I mean, pretty pick. much everything yep. has a critics pick at this point. All right, Matt, get us out of here and get on a plane. All right. Thanks for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. And
1: my name is James Marino from Broadway Radio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Thanks for listening to us on Wednesday.
0: It's Tuesday. Home it's, day? Wednesday. it's very confusing.
1: And Matt and I will be back to talk with you tomorrow, right?
0: I have no idea. We haven't figured this out yet.
1: Okay. <laughs>